This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. All right, all right. There you go. (laughs) You can grab a seat and uh, grab a Bible and find your way to Matthew uh, 28. Some of you are like, man, I was not done talking to them. That's okay, talk after the service. But others of you are like, I'm so glad you cut that off when you did. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. I just want to sit and I just want to listen. Listen, God has a good word for you today. Matthew chapter 28. Go ahead and find your way to Matthew 28 in, a, in, in a God's word there. And um, man, I love preaching on Easter Sunday and I love celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. You want, you want to know why? Man, there's just so many. This week, the, the last two weeks, I've walked with real lifers as they said goodbye to loved ones. That people in their life die. And it's at that moment that the resurrection of Jesus gives so much hope that there is eternal life available to all those that would trust in Jesus. So in our saddest moment, it could be the greatest celebration that death is not the end for people, it's the beginning. And we know that that's possible because of the resurrection of Jesus. In our community, we have experienced so much sadness and so much death just in the last three weeks. So how much more relevant is the answer to the question Is eternal life available? Like what happens after I die and can I know with confidence that heaven is my home? Do I have to be afraid of the end? Absolutely not because Jesus is alive. He's alive. Listen, it it blows my mind that Jesus says he hung on the cross, that he took my shame, that he took my sin, that he took my guilt, that Jesus became a curse on the cross, that he tasted the wrath of God for us so that we could sit under the waterfall of God's love and grace all of our days. Listen, if you don't know where forgiveness of sins are found, I want to tell you today, they're found in Jesus alone. Because of what he did on the cross, you can be forgiven and you can know that heaven is your home. But here's the deal. If Jesus stayed dead, none of it's true. (laughs) If Jesus stayed dead, it's like, where's our hope? But Jesus conquered death. He crushed my shame. He overcame the grave. He is alive. I've been living with this um, illustration in my mind and heart for some time, and I just didn't know if I could get away with it. (laughs) So yesterday I texted seven pastor buddies, and one um, one of them was under 30 years old. And I texted him, I said, guys, I want to I wanna use this, this sermon illustration of Hulk Hogan. But I don't really know, like, is it, like, would it be too sacrilegious to use a wrestling illustration on Sunday morning? You know, like, like, can this really be okay? Do I have any wrestling fans in the house this morning? Anybody? Some of you are like, am I? Right, right, yeah. So this is, can I just say the, the 8 o'clock service had a lot more wrestling fans? So I have no idea if this is going to land. Come on back next week. It might be a little better, all right? Um, so the, the guy that was less than 30, he said, who is Hulk Hogan? That was his text. I think he was kind of joking, you know, but is anybody in that camp who's Hulk Hogan? 
Okay. All right. See, everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is, you know. And one guy responded, he's like, not my style, but, you know, I'll pray for you, right? And, and the other five pastors said, oh, yeah, go for it. So I loved wrestling growing up. But l- let me just be clear. Hulk Hogan used to tell me through the TV screen to eat my vitamins and say my prayers. Okay? So, like, wrestling told me to pray to God, all right? all right? I don't think that that's what's happening today in wrestling, you know? And there was a little season where wrestling got really bad, if you know what I'm talking about. But here's what I love about Hulk Hogan, is whenever Hulk Hogan would wrestle, he would have that resurrection moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's where his enemy was like kicking his tail, beating him down, right? Boom, fist right to the jaw. Boom, undercut, right? You know, it's like clothesline, right? Like knee to the gut, right? And Hogan is down and out and he's sweating and he's like looking like he's hurting really bad, right? They're like, he was hurting. He was He's looking like he's hurting really bad, you know? And then, and then they, like somebody would pin him and you, and you think like your childhood is about to be over because it's like one, oh no, Hogan's going down two. Oh no, I can't watch. He kicks out. And he starts shaking. And the enemy, the enemy like punches him in the face and Hogan just like. And then the enemy punches him in the face again and Hogan's just like. And then he hits him again and then Hogan does this number. How many of you remember this? Right? (laughs) Hogan does this. Some of you are like, this is so silly. I came to church for this this morning. Listen, Monday's coming. Monday's coming and your boss is coming. Monday's coming and your, your ex-wife is coming. Monday's coming and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to jock you right in the jaw. In the enemy. The Bible says that, that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We all have an enemy. An enemy wants to lie to us. He wants to lead us down destructive pathways. He wants to tempt us and tell us this is the good way. And it's darkness and destruction. He's a liar. And the enemy's going to hit you and allure you and deceive you on Monday. And what is your hope to be able to stare the enemy in the face and do this? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. The, the Bible says in, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So I love thinking about this because what would happen with Hogan is he'd be, like, he'd just be, you think it's over. He's like dead. He's out. He's losing the belt. And then resurrection happens. And he starts shaking. And he starts walking around the ring like it's like the tomb. You, like we just sang about the tomb began to shake. Hogan began to shake, right? And then he would just waylay on the on his enemy, and I just thought, man, what a beautiful picture of Jesus coming out of the grave saying, hey, listen, the, the devil wants to accuse you, but I say there's no condemnation for you. The devil wants to clothe you with shame and guilt, but, but I'm declaring you not guilty because I took your guilt on the cross. I, I was declared guilty on the cross for your sin, so you could be declared not guilty. That's what Jesus says to us. Now, um, if you don't know who Hulk Hogan is, um, and this illustration has fallen a little flat, We'll just bring it to life with just a real short video, all right? All right. You're welcome to those eight of you that raised your hand earlier. All right. Here's. Resurrection. He's coming back to life.
Come on. Come on, somebody. It's what you need on Monday morning, the power of the resurrection in you. And the finger pointed right into Kessel. Mm. Hosted with a roundhouse. Mm. And another. And the Warriors back it up. Got him with the ball. Some of you are too kind. But, but do you see it? Listen, too many of us, we live flattened. No power to our life. No joy to our life. No victory to our life. And the enemy is beating us down. But the good news is he doesn't have to. Some of you, you're so terrified about your future. You're so worried and anxious about what's coming tomorrow. But you don't have to because Jesus is alive. He has sat down at the right hand of the Father. That means his sacrifice was sufficient to forgive you of your sins. He's at the right hand, and he's interceding for you right now. He's, the, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is praying for you, and it's like he's waylaying on your enemy. Your enemy is right there seeking to accuse you and deceive you, and Jesus is like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in our text this morning, we see the response to this resurrection. And I want you to see, I'm going to read the text, and I want you to see if you can see four responses to the resurrection. That's what we're celebrating today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God from the dead. So how should we respond? How could we respond? How did people respond the day he rose? Look at this with me. Um, Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you pray with me? And just with your eyes closed and head bowed, 
Would you just say, God, if you're here, would you speak to me? Just silently in your heart, God, if you're here, would you speak to me? Father, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we see four responses to the resurrection. And as, as we unpack this, maybe you'll see your response. Or maybe you'll see the way you should respond or could respond. And the first way that people responded was they worshipped. They worshipped. Look at verse 9 with me. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Can you imagine this moment? <laughs> like the last time they saw Jesus was on the cross in agony, being carried as a dead man to the tomb, and now the resurrected Jesus is standing there, greetings. <laughs> it's like, what must they have felt, and what must have been going through their head? And it says, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. In other words, when they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead, they could not stay on their feet. They fell to his feet. They worshiped. Sometimes we can worship standing up. Sometimes we can worship sitting down. But when you read through the Bible, you see often that the right posture in worship is right here. We can't get low enough to exalt him high enough. Worship begins with belief. And the disciples, as Jesus taught them, they struggled to understand what he was teaching. And they often got it wrong. Jesus was teaching them and they would... They would kind of give it back, and it was all wrong. They didn't understand. He's like, when they came, when they came to, to, to arrest Jesus, like his disciples were like, no way. And Jesus was like, no, this is, this is why I came, to die. I'm, 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 on, I'm on a mission here. So these women, before they fall, it's like, it's like it all happened in a moment. They see Jesus. They fall at his feet and worship him. And in that moment, what preceded their worship was belief that Jesus is who he said he is. He's the son of God. That what he was doing on the cross, dying for sins, that it was true for them, that they could be forgiven, that he was their Messiah, that he was bringing in the kingdom of God, that they had nothing else to fear. And they believed. Their belief led to worship. Their belief preceded their worship. Man, I'm so excited because I, I just can't help but to think that perhaps for somebody here today, today is going to be your day of believing in the Lord. The, the, the light is going to come on. It, maybe you've heard about it for a long time, but spiritual life is going is to be birthed in your heart. You're, you're going to see with spiritual sight for the first time, and you're going to see that though you're a wicked sinner, Jesus is a strong Savior. <laughs> you're you're going to see that you don't have to fear being real because He loves you just as He is. You're going to realize that you don't have to fear death and you don't have to worry about the future because He's risen from the dead, and your hope, your future is secure. Wouldn't that be amazing if that happened for you today? Well, as we worship, we sing. That's a way to worship. Some of us, we lift our hands in worship. That's the way we, we worship. We worship the Lord. Later in our service, many of you are going to make a commitment. You're going to bring a commitment card that you've been praying over and you've been thinking over or you've been procrastinating over, you know, right? And you're going to bring this card. But here's what I want to, here's what I want to ask you this morning. Is your card going to be a representation of of participation or worship? Like, is, is what you're trusting the Lord for and with, is it going to be, okay, I'm not going to be the only one in the family not doing this, okay? Is it like an obligatory, like, okay, I'm going to participate. Our goal was, uh, our church's goal was 100% participation. 
I'm not going to be the only one not to participate. Or is it going to be, oh, Lord, I trust you and I love you. And, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to make a sacrifice to pave the way for generations to come to love you and to know you and to learn of you here in Sango. That's what it could be. It could be worship for you. So they responded in worship. Well, they also responded by lying. Some responded by lying. I want you to see this with me in verses 11 to 15. While they were going, verse 11, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were still asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. In this story, the story about Jesus' body being stolen, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This breaks our heart, but it shouldn't surprise us. On one hand, this is stunning. That here's Jesus, this one filled with great compassion. The one that had cared for the least of these. The one that had healed the sick. And he, he died this innocent sacrificial death, and now he's alive. And you've got people that want to spin it, stuff it, twist it, and lie about it. Why do you think that is? Listen, people lie to us all the time about the truth, don't they? Where does that come from? Well, the enemy, the devil himself, is a liar. He's a deceiver. So that's all he wants to do is he wants to lie to you. He wants to get people to lie to you. In the public school, we're lied to about how the world was created. In our culture today, we're lied to about what a woman is and what a man is. People are lying to us at every step. And in the day that Jesus rose from the dead, people were plotting to lie about it. They were so determined, listen, they were so determined to lie and to spread lies that they paid money to spread the lie. And they even said, listen, we'll pay even more money if the governor hears about this and doesn't like it. We'll pay even more money to, to, to keep him quiet. Now, what on earth would possess people to want to lie about the resurrection of Jesus? It's pretty simple. These religious leaders had authority and they had power. And they knew that the resurrection of Jesus meant that he had authority and power. And they did not want Jesus to have authority and power. The reality, the reality is, is that some of us lie to ourselves. The, the Bible in the book of Romans says that what can be known about God has been made clear to the whole world, but in the wickedness of their heart, they suppress the truth. They stuff it down. We know what's true, but we harden our heart to what's true, and we stuff the truth down. Why do we do that? It's because we want to be in charge, and we don't want Jesus to be in charge. That's why these leaders were paying to spread a lie that someone took Jesus' body, because they didn't want Jesus to have authority. And that might be why you might be tempted to lie to yourself about whether or not Jesus is worth following, whether or not Jesus is worth living your life for. It's because you just don't want him to have authority. You kind of like calling your shots. You kind of like doing your own thing. And so it shouldn't surprise us when people lie about Jesus. But dear friends, I just want to say, don't believe the lie. You don't have to believe the lie that someone took Jesus' body. You can know and believe that he's at the right hand of the Father alive. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
In John 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus went on in that chapter and he said, do you believe this? You don't have to believe the lie, you can believe the truth this morning. People responded to the resurrection of Jesus with worship and by lying, and they, they also responded with doubt. They responded with doubt. Look at verse 16 and 17 with me. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Now before you brace yourself going, is the preacher going to yell at me this morning for doubting? <laughs> no. Genuine doubting is wrestling with God. Genuine doubting is not rejecting God, it's, it's wrestling with God. Now here's what happens in a lot of people's lives. They say they're wrestling with doubt when they've really rejected Jesus. In other words, they've rejected Jesus, they don't want his authority over their life, but they disguise it by saying they just struggle with doubts, they just have doubts. Friends, listen, it's, it's the soil of doubt out of which the seeds of faith spring up out of. You know what Jude says in Jude chapter 1, verse 22, about how we're to interact with those that doubt? Jude said, and have mercy on those that doubt. For, for some of you, you've got a family member or a friend, and they really struggle with doubt, and you've just, you just been at them. Have mercy on them. For, for some of you, you struggle with doubt, and you've been beating yourself up because why can't I have faith like them, and why can't I have faith like them, and it's just so hard for me. And Jude says, have mercy. Have mercy on those that doubt. I, I don't mean have mercy on those that reject Jesus and call it doubt. I mean those that doubt, and when you're doubting, you're fighting for faith. You're wrestling with God, and Jude says, be patient. Have, have mercy with those that doubt. And if you're here this morning, you're like, what does God think about me and all my doubts? God has mercy on those that struggle with doubt. Aren't you glad? It's not the size of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith that saves you. And if you put your faith in Jesus, he'll save you to the uttermost. He'll cleanse you all the way down to your conscience. Heaven will be your forever home. You'll be a child of God forever. You'll never have to fear anything again. Trust Jesus, friends. Trust Jesus. With all your doubts, <laughs> with all your doubts, trust Jesus. You don't have to have every spiritual question answered to place a little mustard seed of faith in Jesus. You don't have to have every objection that's in your head. You don't have to have every objection resolved to take a little mustard seed of faith and place it in Jesus. Would you do that today? You can start following Jesus with a tiny little speck of faith and keep wrestling with doubt. Some of you have been wrestling with doubt for 30 years. <laughs> and it's like, man, it's like we need to tag like a partner in, right? Like somebody tag it, you know, like. We have, God says have mercy on those that doubt. And then finally we see um, that we can respond to the resurrection of Jesus by taking up his mission. By taking up his mission. I want you to see this in verses 18 through 20. Look at it with me in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, this is, how, this is after he's died for sin, he's resurrected from the dead, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, when we truly understand what Jesus has done, we take up his mission. We understand life is not purpose, purposeless. Uh, life is not filled without purpose. Life is filled with meaning. And not only is it filled with meaning, Jesus invites us into his mission. And one of the most appropriate responses to him being resurrected from the dead is we take up his mission. His mission of spreading the good news of the gospel, the hope of Jesus and the love of Jesus to our neighbors and to the nations. I want to invite some friends up, Jacob and Devin Miller. And if you've been at Real Life a while, you know Jacob and Devin. Um, this is really cool. I'm excited to tell you that the day that we launched as a church over in Carmel Elementary School, we brought Jacob up on stage and we prayed for him as we sent him to Zimbabwe the first day that we launched. He was a part of our church in the early days as we were getting things organized and getting things going, but God had called him to, to go, to take up the mission and to go to Zimbabwe. And uh, so this is a picture of Jacob and Devin and their little girl, Pearl. And uh, Jacob and Devin, would you guys just tell us real briefly, where have you been and what have you been doing? So we have, for the last several years, been over in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, working with homeless men and young boys um, doing evangelism and church planting. Okay, that's kind of amazing. Um, let's be honest, some of us are like, man, if I really get my life on board with Jesus, this is the most terrifying thing that could happen to me. What she just said, that God would lead me to a foreign country to, to love on homeless people. <laughs> some of you are like, that's why I'm holding back right now, is I just don't want that to be what he says to me. Um, thank you for hearing the voice of the Lord. Um, how old were you when you moved to Zimbabwe? I had my 22nd birthday over there. In Zimbabwe. So you moved as a 21-year-old young woman. And um, how long have you been, Devin, in Zimbabwe? About a decade now. Ten years. Wow. You started a ministry there, you and a dear friend. And for ten years, you've been spreading the love of Jesus, sharing the gospel with homeless boys and men. Um, somewhere along the way, you guys got introduced. And um, when, when you went to Zimbabwe, you weren't married yet. Not yet. Yeah. So how long have you got, how long did you live in Zimbabwe? A little over four years. Yeah. So you had two missions you were after. God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> how long have you guys been married? Coming up on five years. Okay. In December. So, so what's next? Where are you going? And what are you going to be doing? For a couple of years now, God's been breaking our heart for North Africa. And we are kind of being hindered from pursuing that because of ministry in Zimbabwe. But by God's providence, he's allowed ministry there to become sustainable. Uh, and so our ministry team was able to commission us to start pursuing ministry in North Africa. Church planting, doing a very similar thing of what we were doing. Now, um, today we're referring to Jacob and Devin as missionaries. Um, but in a few months, when they begin their official process with their mission sending agency... We'll refer to them as overseas workers because where they're going, it's not the easiest place and the safest place to spread the gospel. And so we use that term overseas workers um, so as not to compromise their work and to protect them. 
In a couple of months, when you go on YouTube and you're searching for this interview, you won't find it because we're going to take it offline so as not to compromise their work. Um, but in, in just a couple of months, they'll begin the official process. They're currently living in the States. They're uh, looking at going with an organization called Frontiers. And um, why, why would you take Precious Pearl and risk so much in North Africa? Honestly, if it were just for religion, there's no way we would ever go. But because Jesus is a person and he's alive and he gives us the love and the peace and the assurance of our salvation, of life and life abundance, and there are people who don't know him, we're willing to risk everything for them. Yeah. So amazing. Love is compelling you. This relationship with Jesus is compelling you. Um, so you love these people you've never met? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And in, in these, in these Muslims, is there hope that Muslims would turn out of Islam and turn to Christ? 100%. We want them, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yes. So in about a year, Jacob and Devin and Pearl will be sent out of real life and go to North Africa. We don't tell you the exact location again to protect where they're going and what they're doing so that they can have longevity there on the field. Some of you, as you're hearing their story, you're being inspired because you're like, I haven't even gone to my neighbor and they're going to the nations. And my neighbor needs Jesus. And I need to take up the mission as a response to his resurrection. And, and you're going to overcome your fear to not get all the words right. And you're going to overcome your fear to love them well. And it might be messy and you might say it all jumbled. But you're going to share the love and the hope of Jesus because you're inspired by what God has done for you and by what they're doing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I can't help but to think that there might be a young person, maybe even an older person, that's here this morning and God has been stirring your heart to go to the nations. And you just didn't know, could I do that? Could I do? And you hear a story of a 21-year-old young woman who goes and spends 10 years loving on homeless men and boys in Zimbabwe. And God just spoke to your heart. You could do it. And you just gave God your yes today. I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to go, Lord. I'm going to go as you, as you send me. Church, here's what I get really excited about and that I don't want you to miss today. Over the last five weeks, we've been talking about a two-year vision for our church that includes building a building. Um, I've been preaching on money for four weeks long, and you're still here. <laughs> That's amazing. Way to go, church. <laughs> um, but I don't want you to miss this. Because of your our time commitments, we're going to be able to send Jacob and Devin to fulfill their calling, to go to a hard, difficult place to spread the love of Jesus among Muslims in North Africa. Because you're giving, they're going to be able to obey the call of God on their life. We have one fund and one vision. So we're not just giving to build a building, but all of our giving commitments are going to fuel and fund all of our day-to-day -day ministry locally and all of our day-to-day -day ministry globally. And our church is standing squarely behind Jacob and Devin so that they can get to where God is sending them to go with the love of Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad about that? Um, what is, why is this important to you?
that our church is standing behind you financially? Why, why is this important to you? You know, as we read in Matthew 28, Jesus gave a form of an hour time invitation to the early church apostles. And they were faithful. And it carried on. And you have people like Augustine. You have people like Martin Luther and Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And these people who were faithful with the invitation that Jesus gave of going to the nations and proclaiming the gospel. And that's now our invitation. That is plural, 100% commitment, not just financially, but with our lives, with our heart, with going to those who need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. Why, why is it important that our church family today, they're going to come and drop a two-year commitment in a bag and say, we're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to allow, allow the Lord to stretch our faith. And many, many here today are going to give more over the next two years than they've ever given in their life. Why is that important to you? It's demonstrating that missions is not secondary, that going is not secondary of we have our building fund and then we'll have missions over here to the side, but it is one fund that is coming to benefit Sango, yeah. North Africa, and beyond. Yeah, so great, so great. Hey, would you guys give it up for Jacob and Devin? Just church, let them know how proud of them are. You guys can come stand right here in the front. Um, I just want to ask our elders and staff to come and, and to lay their hands on Jacob and Devin here at the front. Um, I was, uh, this week I interviewed Jacob and Devin, so if you want to hear a longer version of their story, you can go to our podcast and you can listen to their story about um, how they met and, and all of those great things. Um, the podcast won't be up for three months. We'll take it down in a couple of months um, to protect their ministry. Um, but I was telling them, I said, you know, three years into North Africa, you're going to have a really dark day. You're going to have a really discouraging month. And it's my hope that this year while you're in the States at Real Life, that you're going to have Real Lifer after Real Lifer after Real Lifer pray for you. Week after week after week, month after month after month. And that, and that three years into North Africa, when you're ready to throw in the towel, when you're really discouraged, you're going to think back to that Real Lifer that prayed for you. And it's going to spur you on. And you're going to think back to that real lifer that prayed for you. So, so, so church family, we've got a year to encourage the mess out of them and to pray for them in the flesh. I hope you'll do that. We're going to pray for them now. Um, so would you just lift up a hand, uh, a hand of blessing to express your faith in the Lord that he's going to protect them. Father, we pray for Jacob and Devin. Lord, thank you for their obedience. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for how they've responded to your resurrection to take up the mission of Jesus and to take it to a hard place on the other side of the world. Father, would you strengthen their marriage while they are here? Lord, bind them close to one another. Be their shield, be their protector. Bless them with good communication. Help them to, to repent quickly and to ask for forgiveness quickly and help them to forgive quickly, Lord. We pray for good health for Jacob and Devin and Precious Pearl. We pray that their family might open their hearts and Lord, generously send them, that they wouldn't be embittered that the grandbaby is going to the other side of the world, but give them a joyful heart and a heart filled with faith in you. Lord, help us as a church family now as we prepare to give. Lord, help us not to hold back, but help us to give you our best so that Jacob and Devin can go. Lord, would you use their story to inspire us to be faithful as we share with our neighbors and as we give today. Lord, we celebrate we celebrate in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Give it up for Jacob and Devin one more time. Church, let them know we're behind them. Let them know we're with them. Let them know they're doing the right thing. Amazing. Um, I want to give you just a couple of minutes to hear from the Lord. Um, we've been hearing amazing stories. <laughs> just amazing stories of how God is stretching people's faith. Somebody shared a story about they, they honed in on their number for their two-year commitment, and then the Lord stretched them, and, and it expanded, and then the Lord did it again. <laughs> and would you believe it? The Lord did it a third time. Um, so would you just be open to hear from the Lord? Um, if you haven't yet, and you're a real lifer, would you take these minutes to fill out your, your commitment card? for the next two years. Jacob and Devin need us to stand with them. The future of real life, our children, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, those that come after us that we'll never meet, they need us to stand with them. The, the future soldiers that are stationed here will need the current soldiers to give, to pave the way so that the future soldiers have a, a church home that's healthy and ready. So I want to give you just a couple of minutes to talk with your spouse, to pray together if you haven't already, to fill this out. If you've already, we've had over 80 families already commit. They're like, we can't wait to Easter. We're going to go ahead and turn our commitment in. How cool is that? If you're one of those families, then in just a moment, as folks gather at the front with bags and as folks gather in the back with bags, just bring a blank card just as, as a symbol of your worship your response, your generosity to the Lord, and drop a blank card in, in, the, in the bag. Um, if the Lord is expanding your generosity, write that down on the card, drop it in the, in the bag. Um, if you're new to real life, this is your card today. <laughs> um, we want you to fill out however much of this you're comfortable with. And in just a moment, when we stand to our feet to drop these cards in the bag, we invite you, if you're comfortable and you want to drop this card in the bag, we would just love to celebrate that you're here. We'd love to pray for you, and you can drop this card in the bag. So take just a couple of moments and listen to the Lord and prepare your cards.
some that are already eagerly moving, but I just, can I just invite you just to wait for a moment? Just want you to wait for a moment. We, if right now is the first time that you've thought about it, then you might have real rushed through and written something down. Um, but I just want to challenge you, church, um, to really pray in this moment and to allow God to speak to you. To allow God to speak to you. It's easy for many of us just to write a number down on a card and to follow through. It's hard to sacrifice. It's hard. But that's what God calls us to. Church, I'm praying for you. So let's just sit in this moment. You just listen to the Lord. And in just a moment, I'll invite you to, to come and bring your two-year commitments um, forward. Let's just listen. Let's just listen to Him. Don't be afraid. Let this be a, let this be a joyful moment of worship for you. such a privilege as your pastor to see you take such bold, brave steps of faith. In the first service, my whole family was on the front row, and every one of my kids had been wrestling with what God was going to lead them to give. My 16-year-old, my two 14-year-olds, and my 10-year-old. And I just gave each one of them a hug, and I said, I'm proud of you. That just moved down the, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And church, I just want to tell you, I'm proud of you. If you're giving God your best today, I'm so proud of you. Don't hold back. You come as you're ready. Drop your two-year commitment. Let's celebrate together. The worship team's going to sing over us as we come and bring our commitments. So you stand to your feet when you're ready in the back, in the front. Bring your commitments. If you're new, bring your connection card. Bring that yellow card. Let us know you're here. Let's worship him. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.